Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Zero waste has been a trendy topic over the past few years, as we've seen some people able to fit a year's worth of trash in a single jar. Zero waste is the practice of eliminating or greatly reducing the amount of trash that is sent to the landfill. To achieve this, zero wasters first refuse any items that may produce unnecessary waste, then opt to reduce, reuse, recycle, and rot or compost everything else. While this may not be feasible for everyone, I've come across quite a few sustainable brown girls who are making it work. One of whom is today's guest, Kashel Boone, the owner of Waste Up So, a zero-waste shop in South Korea. In this episode, we talk about her zero-waste journey, how others can get started, and her experience with being a business owner abroad. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kashel. Yes, thank you. So my first question, I just want to jump right into it. Please tell me, where are you from and what brought you to South Korea? Well, I'm from the United States, um, originally from Maryland, um, about 30 minutes or so outside of D.C. Um, I went to school down in Atlanta. I went to Spelman College. And after college, I just was kind of like anyone else and got a job and you know, I just, I really just did not like my job. I was working as a paralegal um, and, you know, I just wasn't into corporate life. Um, I wanted to just experience the world and see what else was out there. And a woman that I worked with, we shared an office. Um, she told me about teaching abroad. And so I just did some research and South Korea paid the most money. So I came here and um, I think it was probably the best decision I've made in my life. Wow, that's awesome. I recently had another Spelman graduate on here on the podcast talking about uh, packaging engineering. It's, she's actually my cousin, so I'm from Atlanta as well. So that's awesome. Oh. So how long have you been in South Korea now? Uh, now, I think it's it's coming up on about 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> so, wow. How long um how long did you teach and what kind of got you to Well, tell me the whole cuz 16 years is a long time. I'm sure a lot happened in, you know, within that time period. So, what happened between like you teaching and starting the shop? Yeah, um I was teaching off and on. Uh when I first came, I just, you know, I got a job I was not a teacher by trade at all. I was a poli-sci major. You know, my plan was to go to law school. Um, I, you know, my original plan was to be here for about a year, you know, have fun, travel around Asia, and then just, you know, go back to my life and, you know, continue on. But, um, yeah, it's really hard. It was, I found it very, very difficult to um, go back to my hometown and live life after being in Korea. 
for a year. In fact, I was here for a year and a half before I decided to go back to the States. And just that transition was incredibly difficult. Um, so I ended up just staying for about a summer, I guess, and then ended up coming back to Korea. Did a year, um, still the same, you know, partying it up, traveling around, having a good time teaching. And then I went to Europe for a little bit, and then I went back to the States, and it was the same thing, you know, just it, it wasn't what I remembered, and it just wasn't me anymore. I feel like I had changed so much and seen so much that going back to a typical nine-to-five just was not in the cards for me. So I ended up coming back to Korea again. So I came and went, you know, Watakata many times, but then um, uh, I was here, I think, about five years, and I decided, well, okay, you have to, like, stop partying now. You have to get serious about your life. And so um, I decided to get my master's degree. And here in South Korea, um, as a foreigner, especially a, a Western foreigner, uh, American foreigner, um, you can get your degree pretty much for free. So um, I applied to Seoul National University for their public administration program, master's program, and I got in. Wow. Um, had to take an English test to make sure that I speak English. <laughs> and I got into the program. And um, yeah, it was great. I did my two years, wrote my thesis on multicultural education, focusing on human capital development. And from there, it just kind of exposed me to, you know, all of my privileges, obviously just being an American, but more than that, just like being in a position to where, you know, I have access to things and not even just as an American, but being here in Korea, having access to things and what people just don't have access to. Um, you know, we have a lot of food deserts, right? In the United States, especially in, in major cities, we have a lot of food deserts where your only avenue for sustenance is like, you know, your corner store, you know, with a bunch of prepackaged foods and high salt, whatever, whatever. So um, in Korea, it's just, where at least where I was living, it's just not the same. Um, you know, I have access to probably like five different grocery stores, like proper grocery stores and walking distance from my home. Or, you know, being able to go to huge big box stores, you know, and those kinds of things that you just don't have access to. And the transportation system here is so great that even if you need to go outside of your, you know, immediate neighborhood, it's just that easy to do so. So just like learning about what I have access to here that perhaps many people don't have access to, even in the United States. And so like from there I just kind of grew my my interest in sustainable in sustainability and just understanding my privileges. Um, in, in the most basic sense, you know, and so from there I finished my master's and I, I applied for a PhD program where I wanted to go further into the concept of human capital development by way of just access to food and um, insistence. So, um, yeah, during that time, I hated my program. So <laughs> I ended up leaving the program prematurely um, after taking it. Yeah, I really hated it. I'm not an econ person. I really I don't. I don't like it. It's, it's not for me. So, um, yeah, I ended up leaving the program after taking a, an entrepreneurship class um, and just seeing how many business ideas that I had, you know, without even realizing that I had them. Um, just kind of going back on my teaching days and how, like, creative I ended up being. I didn't even know I could be that creative of a teacher or even just a teacher in general. So, um figuring out how to make business models and seeing if they're even feasible and realizing like, Hey, like this, 
this is a good idea. And I just doing research on it and learning more and more about sustainability and finding out about, you know, all these zero waste shops that people were growing in, um, in the UK, especially, um, but all throughout Europe, how it's becoming like this big thing. And so I figured, you know, why not try something like that here? I mean, it's already an agrarian society. Like, why not try something like that? And so when I fit, when I left the program, I actually moved back to Seoul. And um, it was it's a wholly different feeling now because now I'm not partying anymore. I'm not in school anymore. Like I'm actually living in my home, not just sleeping. So um, I just realized how much trash was just all around me and how much of a food desert my area actually was. Um, where I moved to, or moved back to rather, was at the top of Namsan Mountain. So it's like, well, part of Namsan. Um, and there's no grocery stores where I live. There's only two convenience stores. So like you can get healthy things. Like that's not the issue. Like you can get bananas, you can get all types of stuff. Like that's fine. It's just everything is wrapped in plastic and sometimes two to three times over. Wow. You know, like you don't get a single banana and it might be wrapped twice, you know? So it's like the way Korea handles their trash here is um, incredibly meticulous. If you're thinking about it, like compared to the United States, you know, like you, you have to separate everything. You have to wash out everything. They're quite picky about it. And, you know, the ajuma or ajashi on your street will tell you, <laughs> you need to separate your stuff properly. They'll, they'll yell at you if you don't. So um, just noticing like, how much trash I was building up, you know, and having to sit it out on the street and seeing it every day, you know, just like the, the eye level of it all just kind of really got to me. Um, and then I started getting sick. Um, I'm just, like I said, I've been here 16 years, so I, <laughs> I can't eat burgers like I used to, <laughs> you know, I can't drink like I used to. So my body is just changing. And so, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I started moving toward um, a more vegetarian, vegan, plant-based lifestyle. And so with all the plastic and packaging that I was getting, it was just ridiculous, like how much trash I was actually accumulating compared to before. So, you know, just all of those things kind of compiled together, kind of got me into it. And because there was nothing around me and at the time there's only one zero waste shop and it was far from my house. It just wasn't really feasible to, to make that my everyday market. So I just figured I'll just do it myself. So I just did it myself. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. So what was it like um, wanting to start your own zero waste shop? At first, it was just really exciting, you know, like doing something different, doing something new, um, but incredibly difficult <laughs> to do here in Korea. Um, yeah. Obviously, like I speak English, so I'm coming from, you know, a totally different culture, a totally different background, a totally different perspective. Um, and so you're trying to get people on board with something that is not only a foreign concept, but just an unknown concept. Even though people do it anyway, like they don't put it necessarily in those same terms, right? So um, just fighting against those things was incredibly difficult, but seeing all of the uh, positive reception I got in the very beginning was very, very exciting. Yeah. And so just that kind of just fueled me to keep going. Yeah, right. That was my next question. You said that there was already a zero waste shop in mm -hmm. Seoul, although it was far from you. Um, what is the overall reception or people's thoughts on zero waste in South Korea? 
Um, I have to say, at least three years ago, it was pretty non-existent. Um, whether you were speaking in Korean or in English, like it was pretty non-existent. Um, and then with the Millennium Development Goals coming out, you know, everybody was just so into sustainability. So, you know, like everybody, like every contest, um, is <laughs> like, you know, we're changing their, you know, description boxes to, you know, to put in like the MDGs and everything like that. So that kind of helped things move on. But like, um, yeah, just as far as that, like, yeah, no, it was pretty non-existent. And honestly, people were quite, I would have to say against it for the most part. You know what I mean? Like just completely just like, no, no, no. Here, not everywhere, but here in Korea, they associate zero waste with veganism. And not everywhere does that, you know? Mm, interesting. Yeah, so like veganism in itself three years ago, <laughs> like, you're right. Like, no one's going to do that because Korea is a total like meat eating country. You know, like, you think black people like chicken? <laughs> Come to Korea. No way. Like, chicken places everywhere, meat places everywhere. Like, I mean, Korean barbecue is legit, you know? So it's, um, mm-hmm. it's hard for people on a mass scale to be like, no, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. I'm going to go completely vegan. Like it's, it's just, it was such a foreign concept and almost like just angry. (laughs) Like people were just angry about it. But now I would have to say it's, it's really quite exploded. Um, the whole vegan concept, you know, there's vegan festivals like this year, we're working with three different uh, conventions, a vegan fair, vegan festa and a vegan festival, you know, (laughs) like there's so many now. So, like, um, so many vegan bakeries are coming out, vegan restaurants. Um, so, like, those things are picking up. And so with that, the zero waste movement has kind of piggybacked on veganism. And just, like, this whole concept of reducing your meat intake in order to help save the planet. Bring your own container to help save the planet. Like, those kinds of things are going together here. So because of the veganism movement exploding, zero waste has really come up as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like that the zero waste and veganism are kind of tied together because there definitely are correlations between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about your shop. Like, what do you sell and who are your typical customers? Well, in our shop, we sell mainly zero waste products. So we've got like, you know, your soaps, your loofahs, um, your toothbrushes, like this pretty much the staples that you you would need for a zero waste home. Um, But we also do dry goods as well. So a lot of times nuts and seeds can be pricey here. um, And you can only buy them in certain increments, like very large or incredibly small increments. So um, we sell like pumpkin seeds, cashews, raw almonds, roasted almonds, like rice, brown rice, like those kinds of things, Uh, coffees, teas. So pretty much anything that you need in your home for cleaning, living, eating, we sell. Um, our typical customer, um, it's been really growing, actually. Before, it was really just foreigners, because <laughs> I'm a foreigner. So um, th- that, those were my networks, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I, I focused on, because um, I wanted to get really honest feedback, and I wanted to um, you know, just see like what people's price points were. Um, and so that's kind of where I was with that. And so we started with foreigners and then it kind of just, you know, with word of mouth, obviously people have Korean friendships, relationships, coworkers. So like 
it kind of like rolled out from there. And then also because we do so many vegan um, festivals and events, you know, we've, we've gained more and more traffic among Koreans as well, but mostly females. Yeah, that's what I would assume as well. Like, even just um, looking through Instagram for zero waste hashtag, it's 99% females. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's say it's someone's first time learning about zero waste um, or your zero waste shop. How would you describe it to someone? If it's their first time learning about zero waste, I would just describe it as a question. I don't even know if I would be able to describe it to someone that doesn't really know what the movement is about. I would just pose the question, where do you see the most trash in your home? Or just in your life in general. Like, I remember when I was in the United States, you know, you know you're know, you from Atlanta. I went to college in Atlanta. Like, I, you live out of your car a lot of the time, you know, because everything's so far apart and the transportation isn't that great. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of, like, my, especially my guy friends, and myself included, because I was in college at the time, so it was just, like, just the amount of trash in my car was just absurd, you know? And so it's, like, going through your trash, like, seeing, like, where are you getting this from? Where is this coming from? Why do you have it? And so thinking about it from that perspective or like what's the place in your house that you hate cleaning the most, you know, because there's so much trash or you don't go there enough or whatever the case may be. It's kind of like that pain point I try to focus on because that's kind of how I started because I hated cleaning my kitchen. Like, I, I don't know what it is about my kitchen. Just I don't like cleaning kitchens. And so with all the trash, the trash <laughs> that would come up, I just, I really it, it's even now because I still have some recycling because I'm not 100% zero waste myself. It's almost impossible right now. But like recycling day was just like the bane of my existence. I, I hated it so much. Like, okay, I have to put this one here. And then like getting all these bags and going down the elevator. Like it's just, it's just frustrating. It's annoying. I hate it. So it's like those kinds of things. I started just like looking at it from that perspective and saying like, okay, I buy this a lot. Let me see if I can get this zero waste, you know? And, like, just starting from there and, like, getting people's kind of creativity and thoughts together about, like, what their purchasing power is like and then trying to, like, make those transitions, you know, starting small. Yeah, definitely. Um, So with that, what tips can you offer to someone who is interested in zero waste but doesn't know where to start? Oh, go through your trash. It sounds gross but totally go through your trash. <laughs> I think that's like the best thing to do. Um, because I, I realized it too. And I started making my own ginger ale because again, I've lived here for a long time. And so like when you, when you find something from home that you haven't had in 10 years, you start to just like go crazy and like stockpile it, <laughs> you know? And so like, I used to really love Schweppes ginger ale like Schweppes ginger ale was my jam. I <laughs> loved it so much. And like maybe seven or eight years ago, they started selling it here in Korea. It was kind of a one-off. And then I learned that Schweppes ginger ale wasn't actually ginger ale. And then like my wife just kind of like, I don't know. Oh no. There. But um, I was constantly buying it. Did you know that? I did not know that like no. ginger ale wasn't actually ginger ale. And so like I went to this, um, vegan spot and the guy was like hey we make our own ginger ale and I drank it I'm like that's not ginger ale and it was totally like mind-blowing 
So um, I started making it myself. But then I, when I was going through my trash, I realized how many cans of ginger ale. Because, like, they don't – you can't get the same size can. Well, you can, but it's not as popular. Like, the same size can of cola that you would get in the States, it's not the same size here. Like, here they have, like, bullet size. So it's significantly smaller portion size than the States. So it's, like, I would buy, like, a flat of them. You know, like a flat of 30 cans and just like have it in the back room and like, you know, put them in the fridge as I needed them. Like, that's how much I was drinking ginger ale. Like, it was absurd and completely unhealthy, you know? And so, like, putting the, re- you know, the recycling together and it's like, dude, you've got like 40 cans of ginger ale. It's not good. You know, <laughs> so it's like those kinds of things, like realizing what you're actually buying and, and making it, you know, like the, making an active choice to just, not buy so much and try and make it yourself because you didn't have it for 10 years you probably really don't need it but it's like the fact that you have it now like you still don't really need to buy it making it yourself it made it cheaper it obviously made reduce my trash considerably and then on top of that it's just healthier as well because I know what's going into it and ginger here is like you know everywhere so being able to make it is just like easier you know so just makes sense when I was first um, getting into the sustainability movement, I did a trash audit. And yeah, I totally agree that that's one of the first things you should do because you can see where a lot of your trash is coming from and then also where you're spending a lot of money. And those two kind of go hand in hand. It's like if you're spending a lot of money like on takeout, like I was, <laughs> or if you're spending a lot of money, um, you know, like uh, buying new clothes and stuff, then that's usually where you can cut back the most and, you know, reduce your reduce your waste. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, especially here, because there's so many um, food delivery apps here. And before, like 10, 15 years ago, like when I first came here, food delivery was quite normal, obviously. But when you bought Korean food or Chinese food, you would get it as a as a take back situation. You know, like they would bring it over to your home or office on a tray, uh, you know, and they just like kind of cover it with newspaper. And so like you have like, you know, your metal bowl and your, you know, mm-hmm. you know regular spoon, knife that you would have anywhere else. And then you sit it right back outside your door and somebody would come pick it up. So like it was already like a very zero waste Wow. Style. Yeah. In Korea. That has since changed. I have not, like, in where I live now, it's, I don't see that anymore. In Gangnam, it might still be like that when I used to live in Gangnam. In Bucheon, it might still like that, be like that. But where I live now in Yongsan, it's the center of Seoul. And it ain't like that no more. So, like, you know, it's really kind of sad because I really love that. Because, like, I didn't, at the time, I didn't think about it as, like, zero waste. I thought about it as, like, oh, I don't have to clean anything. Like, that's dope. You know what I mean? I can just sit right back outside and be about my life, you know? But, um, so, like, now, like, there's so many delivery systems that there's so much more trash than before because now you really don't have to go anywhere because now you can get your food from anywhere, not just the Korean spot down the street or the Chinese spot around the corner. You can literally get it from, like, every single restaurant. So, like, now, like, trash is just, you know, doubled or tripled. So it, it's, it's quite a problem delivery takeout specifically. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that 
they've started doing a lot of um, sustainability um, initiatives. So since then, within the past three to five years, have you noticed in the grocery stores, for example, where you said there was a lot of uh, plastic utilization, have you noticed that that's been reduced any or is it something, you know, they're still working on? Um, yes and no. Um, Korea, in the last five years, they've done a lot by way of um, making themselves out to be globally better, <laughs> I guess, than other countries, right? You know, I don't know what another better way to say it, but like, you know how countries do that, right? They put these initiatives out there to make themselves like morally conscious and stuff like that. But like, um, they have passed a lot of like plastic laws here, you know, like those plastic bags that you would use to put like your fish in or your meat or like I was your produce, those little single use plastic bags, they've banned those in okay. big box stores. Like uh you still can use them if you're gonna if you need like for like meats and things, like wet things, you can still use them. But for like everyday like, you know, your bell peppers and cucumbers, not like you can't use those anymore. Um However, there's been a huge shift um, demographically in Korea when it in con- like in terms of single and two dollar households. So like a lot of people don't live with their family as much as they used to. Um, the nuclear family used to be like a huge deal here. Like you would see like three generations living together in a single home, mm-hmm. right? But now a lot of people are leaving their hometowns and coming to Seoul or wherever else to find jobs. And so that in turn makes for a lot of single and two-dollar households. And with that, portion sizes for food purchasing has changed. So like before you would have to buy like 12 onions at a time in a bag because typically people were buying for the whole household. But now because that's changed, I think before when I, I did a, I think it was like 53% of households are now single and two dweller. So it, it's significant the way things have changed. So obviously marketing has changed. And so you can go to your local big box store, if your big grocery store, and you can buy single purchases, like single onions and single this and that. So then imagine that all of that individually wrapped in plastic. <laughs> So it's kind of like, oh, we're banning plastic bags. Great. But we're going to put this single onion mm-hmm. in like that really super thick, heavy duty, sealed, vacuum sealed packaging. We're going to do that a million times over. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's yes and no. <laughs> yes and no, in my opinion. But still, you know, it's progress. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, going back to your shop, um, when you were saying that you sell the seeds and the nuts and stuff, where do you get your supply from? Oh, I buy local as much as possible. As much as possible. Again, this is why it's so interesting how the zero waste movement is taking so long in Korea because they already do it. Like on the regular. So it, it, it's, it's, mm. it's fascinating to me, like how people just don't see that. Um, again, like I said, Korea is incredibly agrarian. So they still have their marketplaces the way they used to be, you know, hundred years ago. So literally in the same places. So like in an area like, for example, like Dongding, 
Dongdaemun is a huge marketplace. Like you can pretty much buy anything you need in Dongdaemun from clothes to shoes to fabrics to walnuts to ham hocks to like um, record player. Like you can literally buy anything in this area. Wow. So like you can just go down to, you know, the local vendors and get a kilogram of this, three kilograms of that. You can get all of that in this area. Obviously there's different markets, you know, they, they, they're sectioned off, you know, but yeah, you can pretty much get anything. You know, there's tons of farmers, you know, that are looking to sell their stuff in bulk. You know what I mean? That, you know, I would pay more than an e-mart or something like that. Right. Because one, I'm buying a smaller amount, and two, I'm more than likely going to sell it faster because I'm buying such a smaller amount. So it's like, you know, there's there's loads of options on how to get stuff locally sourced. Loads of options. That's awesome. In the time that you were building your business, what, if any, challenges did you face being a Black woman business owner in South Korea? <laughs> huh. Um, the usual. <laughs> Korea is still on the planet Earth, so you're going to have a lot of the same issues that you have almost anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I think at least in this industry, this whole like vegan, zero waste, loving the planet kind of industry, everybody's super nice. Um when I first had the idea to have the shop, I just started it as like a Facebook group, you know, just getting people like like-minded people together and seeing what, um, you know, what they had to say about it, what they were interested in. Like if I was on the right track with any of it. So like the, the Facebook group grew really, really fast. Um, and then, like I said, there was one zero waste shop um, in Seoul and I went and I talked to them. And they were super cool. It's like a married couple. They're dope. Um, they gave me a lot of great information. Um, they're incredibly supportive. Um, so that was awesome. And then another one popped up um, like a month or so later after I actually talked to them face to face. They were super cool. Met with her. And, you know, everything was dope. So it's like as far as like the people within the industry, it's awesome. It doesn't feel like competition. It it feels like we support each other and what we do. You know, mm-hmm. if they've an event, I show up and I tell my members about it and I encourage people to, you know, support them and vice versa. Um, we've been at markets at the same time too and there's never been that kind of like, oh, what does she have? And you know, it's, it's never been like that. It's always been love. So within the industry, it's been awesome. And I've been very, very fortunate for that. When it comes to funding... <laughs> and incubators and accelerators and all of that, it's like a joke. It's a joke. Like, um, I would have to say the amount of, because like I told you, like everyone, well, not everybody, but you know, the MDGs kind of like boost this whole thing because they get funding from the governments or whatever to do these kind of sustainability contest pitch session, blah, blah, blah. Like they, they get money for that. But like, the type when you see like who wins the competition, you're like, word, like that's not it. really okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's interesting. Um, when I talk to like mentors and things like that, um, 
they are avidly and actively against what I'm doing. Wow. Um, I've been on stage doing a pitch, like straight up doing my pitch. And one of the, uh, the judges to my face on the microphone says, Koreans are too lazy. They'll never do this. Quote, unquote. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it's, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, you want to get funding, you want to do more, like you want to, and you, and you've proven that you've had a track record. You've proven that this stuff is legit and that, it, and not even just that, but it makes money. I mean, it's a store at the end of the day, it's still retail. Um, and yet there's like this hard push against it. Um, so it's like those kinds of things. And I don't think that has anything to do with me, me being black. It's just me doing something that, isn't what they're into or what they don't feel, you know, they feel like it's not going to be incredibly lucrative or immediately in the short term lucrative. Um, and then you have the people who, um, they just steal your ideas. <laughs> like, oh no. So like, I don't think any of this has to do with the fact that I'm black, but like, I think it's just, you know, people are people and it is going to be what it is. I think more than me being black is me being female um, this is still very much a patriarchal society and, you know, you still have that to deal with. Um, so like that's a pain, but, um, as far as me being black, I mean, I had more pushback when I was a PhD student trying to get a job or a master's student trying to get a job at like a research, you know, institute and then telling me to my face that I'm not going to hire you because you're black. Wow. I've had more of that being a student at Seoul National University than I've had in my own, you know, entrepreneurship endeavors. So that's really interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I work for myself, so I don't, you know, I don't need them. So it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I saw that you went through Europe touring various zero waste mm. shops, um, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with zero waste in the U.S., but is there a way that you can compare zero waste in Europe, the U.S., and South Korea? Mm. No. <laughs> only, because, only because zero waste here is so new, and there's so many laws that are antithetical to what zero waste is trying to do. Like, for example, like, say you want to make soap, Right. Like cold press soap, it's kind of it's quite simple. I mean, it's not simple. I mean, mm -hmm. you should know what you're doing. They're chemicals, but like for the the most part, it's a fairly simple process. Like tons of people do it, not a big deal. The problem is in Korea, the size of your workspace determines what type of business you can have. Wow, and it's very strange. And the size of your workspace depends on the denominations or like the sizes of the product that you can make. Mm. So even when you're talking about just soap, like so a soap that literally takes like a couple buckets, you know, and a mold, you know? So it's like those kinds of things kind of prohibit things to happen. Right. Um, I don't believe that there are the, the, the same issues in the States or, throughout Europe. I don't believe that they have the same issues. Okay. Um, and I don't know, but I don't believe that's true. Um, so it's like those kind of little things that are a problem um, here in Korea. And then like things change 
and they don't tell you <laughs> or like um, like beeswax wraps for example that in itself like the actual wax like the beeswax is classified differently here than say the UK or the United States mm-hmm. it's classified here as some kind of like harmful kind of like deadly chemical for some reason. Oh, wow. So like that has to change. Like the policy behind that has to change in order for, you know, scalability to be able to happen with beeswax traps, like something as simple as a beeswax trap. So it's like, it's like those kinds of things. Like we can't sell beeswax wraps that have print on them. If you're going to use it for food, it has to be completely like, plain no pattern kind of thing because they feel that it's unsanitary or unsafe so it's like those kinds of things so it's like it's hard to compare that's very interesting yeah and like that could change in a second and no one would you know so it's just like those kinds of things where it's like i feel like in the uk canada the us all the countries that i think i went to like six or seven different countries in europe um they don't have those kind of problems like they they you know like a lot of things seem to be a lot more open and experimental and um, more, in my, in my opinion, more common sense than here because it's such a foreign concept here. Mm-hmm. Like here, you can't even sell soap without wrapping. Whereas in the UK and in um, all those countries that I went to in Europe, you, you, know, you go into a shop and you see open soap all the time. You know, they have different laws here. Cause like if you go to Lush, Lush is here mm-hmm. and all of their stuff is open packed. It's like, there's no issue. But if you make it here and you sell it here, there are different rules for you, but I can import stuff from France and leave, leave, leave it wide mm. open. So it's like, it's, it's hard to compare <laughs> when you're dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I see. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So it sounds like, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, law things that need to be (laughs) that need to be figured out before yeah before it can go much further Mm -hmm. that's very interesting so what's next for waste up so do you want to make more stores do you think you'll create have a store in the u.s or you know what's your next move well i shouldn't say too much but um i'm looking into product development now oh okay yeah so to me, like, especially here, it's incredibly difficult to have a brick and mortar. You know, like the the price for a single location is just so expensive. So for me, I'm thinking more on the lines of my own product development and having that sold worldwide as opposed to just focusing on a store. I think um, changing people's ideas about simple products and how to use them, I think, is probably the better way to go and have more longevity in the store um, or as a business in general. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds exciting. Yeah, I, th- I am. I'm very excited about it. We're testing out a product now with some people and um, really great reviews. So we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. All right. Now, one of my last questions is, what is one thing that anyone can do to be more sustainable? To be more sustainable, it might be, I don't know, to me it might be simple, Mm -hmm. but just to be more sustainable, 
educate yourself. I mean, it sounds incredibly simple, but it's really just that. I think that, myself included, I think that um, we're so used to depending on others for our sustainability, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to go to the store and grab some food, or oh, I'm just going to go pick this up from wherever. And I think educating yourself on how you can be your own um, sustainable resource, I think, is the best route. Yeah. And has the most longevity. Um, like when I learned how to make bread, my life changed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, I can actually do this. Like, it's really just that simple. Oh, that's all it is. Like, you know, like when you see how simple things can be, like, of course, you can make things more intricate and whatever, but I'm not a chef. You know, I really just want to be able to feed myself, you know, and um, mm -hmm. that has been such a rewarding experience. And that just came from reading and following different blogs or, you know, looking at different YouTube channels and just trying to think, oh, like this is totally doable. So, yeah, I think if you're if your mission or your interest is to be more sustainable, educate yourself and just you know, stay informed because your life will change when you realize just how simple and easy things were. Like when I found out, if I'm not a peanut butter person, when I found out how easy it is to make peanut butter and people are out here paying $8 a jar for peanut butter, oh like you're out of your mind. You're <laughs> out of your mind. I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off. Because like peanut butter is expensive out here. I was just like, you, you're out of your mind. People will pay $15 for a jar of peanut butter. Oh no. Girl, you can go down to the market Get you a bag of peanuts, throw that in a blender, and let that stuff go. Peanut butter for days. Yes. Fifteen dollars. So wow. Like stuff like that. You know, just like educate yourself. And when they say education is everything, right? Yes. Knowledge is power. Yes. So yeah, just educate yourself. Awesome. Yes, totally agree. So my last question is, Kaishel, where can everyone find you? How can we stay in touch or stay up to date with what you're working on? Yeah, um, our website is wasteupso.com. Um, waste up so, really simple. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and yeah, we have our website. So hopefully we'll be expanding into the United States and the UK soon. We'll see what this Rona has in store. <laughs> but um, right now, yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website. Awesome. Yes, please go follow her. We're so excited to see what else you're going to do in the future. So thanks so much for joining us today, Cashel. I really learned a lot from you and your journey has been really inspiring. And hopefully our listeners can use your tips on their journey to reduce their waste. So thanks so much for being here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share it if you loved it and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl and check out our Facebook community. We would love to have you there. Until next time, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.